You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to another episode of the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast where we work to save your relationship by joining together, by joining forces to come together and try to come up with new understandings, new realizations about what's going on in your relationship so you know what to do. What I've been doing lately is answering your questions because your questions mean that we're pointing to a direction where others might be asking the question. And today, I've got a a question from, well, I'm going to just use the initial M. Uh, And so M asks me a couple of questions, well, a question, but behind that are a couple of things I think you need to understand. And this is why this makes this question kind of a Goldilocks question. It is about her specific situation, and there's some details in here that uh, you'll hear that are about her situation, but it gives us a place to talk about a bigger issue, some situations that you may find yourself in. And that's what we're doing with this, looking for the Goldilocks questions. I can't answer everything that everybody submits. I get a number of submissions each week, but I'm looking for the ones that match that place in between. Not too hot, not too cold, right? Not too specific, not too broad are the the pieces of the puzzle here. So if you were to say, well, how do I save my marriage? Well, I've written books on that. I've written or created systems and programs on that. And, and so I can't just reduce that down to the size of a podcast. But if you start drilling down too close, like you have a very, very specific question about what to do in your very specific situation, that's too specific. That's actually a coaching question. This is a broader question where I'm trying to speak to multiple people. So let's jump in with M's question. Uh, and this question starts out uh, by wanting me to interpret a little bit. So let's go with that. He says, my question would be to how to know how to interpret and act in the face of contradictory behavior from a spouse during a marriage crisis. What do you do when the partner runs hot and cold? Here's a little context. I have your book. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I started to make changes in myself in order to stabilize the situation with my husband. About two months ago, I received the famous, and I would say fairly infamous, sentence, I am no longer in love with you. This obviously initially generated in me a lot of anxiety, panic, and resistance, the classical stuff. But I pulled myself together after a couple of days after finding your podcast and starting to read your book. I stepped I stopped bringing up the relationship talk. That's one of the things I recommend. I stopped trying to push for couples counseling, another thing I recommend. I stopped trying to control the situation by being overly affectionate, overly helpful, etc. I work to respond rather than react. We're going to come back to that in a minute. I understand my part in the situation while we are here. I see this change in me having an effect in my relationship. Things are more stable, and I don't feel like he might be slamming the door any minute now. And that was the case a few weeks ago. But we are most certainly not out of the crisis. He's still often distant, shows me little affection. He doesn't say I love you anymore. But I also sometimes see little boosts of love, and that's in quotations, on his side, where he is warm, connected, more affectionate. We still manage to connect sexually, but it's always very temporary. I see him distance himself after every connection we get. 
so he runs hot and cold with me. And I admit that it destabilizes me. Let me repeat that. And I admit that it destabilizes me. I don't know how to interpret these contradictions and how to act. Thank you in advance for your help and for all your content. Okay, so M, let's talk a little bit about what this is about. The famous I love you or infamous I love you, but I'm not in love with you speech is kind of what you got. I don't love you anymore. Uh, people say it different ways, but that's that's kind of the speech. I, I often talk about the I-L-Y-N-I-L-W-Y speech because that's exactly how it comes out. I love you. I'm not in love with you, though. So let's talk about what that really means. I want you to think of connection as being a range right? You can be very, very connected. You can be somewhat connected. You can be disconnected, right? There's a range. And so many times when people hear me talking, uh, they hear me as kind of a binary. You're either connected or you're disconnected. That's not the case. There can be varying degrees of connection. And in fact, in every relationship, the level of connection will go kind of up and down. There are going to be times in even the healthiest of relationships where you feel more and less connected. You might not feel disconnected, although most couples experience those points also, but you may not feel the level of connection you would like to feel. So first, let's get rid of this whole binary thinking process, and we're going to look at that in two different ways today. But the one binary that I want you to immediately get rid of is disconnected or connected. It's not that. It's disconnected all the way up to very connected. And I want to be clear, that's not just connected, right? Because the feeling of being in love is over an abundance of connection. Like you have more than enough connection. I would often say overly connected, but I'm not sure if that's really a fair thing is to say you're more than adequately connected. You've got an abundance of connection. And because of that, you, you have that sense. And, and when people say not in love with you, they're talking about that uh, chemistry or romantic feelings, the attraction that we have towards someone. Well, that comes from uh, just having more than enough connection. Now, there is a change that I've talked about in other podcasts that has to happen in a marriage that goes from being in an adrenaline-driven connection or attraction to an endorphin connection or attraction, which basically is when you settle into a, a regular loving relationship. That's the switch to an endorphin-based. Adrenaline is what happens when we're chasing this person that we're madly in love with, and maybe they're even chasing us back, but you know there is some fear attached to that. There's some excitement attached to that, and that over time calms down uh, in, in most relationships and uh, gets back onto this endorphin base where you're having to make sure that you're you're propping up the love. You're continuing to reach out in connection. And that's the problem with the pause button. When people hit the pause button in a marriage, well, they stop acting in those loving ways that tends to maintain that level of connection. So I love you, not in love with you, means that the level of connection has dropped below that abundance of connection, but there's still some room before you get to disconnection. Right. And disconnection, unfortunately, the pain that's attributed to that or that's caused by that creates the feelings of disdain even. 
when, when we, let's say that there's someone walking down the street and I'm not connected to them. They're strangers. I'm not connected. I don't feel bad when they pass by me. I don't feel anger or resentment towards them when they pass by me. They just, they're just people that I don't have any relationship with. Now, I compare that to let's say that there's somebody in my life that I should feel connection to, that there is a reason I would feel that connection and I don't feel it. Well, that causes hurt and pain. And one of the things we as humans do with hurt and pain is we turn it into anger. Disdain is a flavor of anger. It's when you're angry so much that you want to be away from somebody. You're disdaining that person and you're pushing them away. Well, you're not at that point. You still have some places of connection. So let's come back to that binary idea. Let's say that I have a couple coming into my office and one of the people says, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, right? That's binary. I don't want to be in versus I want to be in. The binary choice of be in or out. Well, that is not a true binary thought process because our brain is multimodal in thinking even when our communication is more binary, We often say things like, I like this, I don't like this. But if we were to go a little bit deeper, let's say somebody comes to my house and they try something for dinner and they go, ooh, I really like this. And instead of saying, okay, you like it, that's that's binary versus you don't like it, I would say, oh, okay, on the scale of zero to 100, how much do you like it? Oh, I really like it maybe 65, 70%. Okay, well, there's still a 30, 35% area of improvement that's possible, right? Maybe I could find something they would like even better. But let's say they come in and say, yeah, I really dislike that. Okay, on a scale of zero to 100, where zero, you just despise it completely, to 100, you love it completely, where are you? Well, I'm about a 35. Okay, well, you know, you dislike it, but it's not entire, right? And so our brain is able to think in those multimodal ideas, but we don't communicate it well. If I'm looking at something, I like it or I don't like it, right? I mean, there are some ways where you see some level of this. So you go to Amazon and you, you know, give a review on a book or something, and you may give it three stars, which means it's somewhere in the middle. It's, it was adequate. You got something out of it. Or you give it five stars, where you absolutely is the best book ever, or you give it one star, which meant it sucks, right? You didn't like it at all. There's some level where we experience that multimodal thinking when we do that kind of thing, but most of life, it's, it's up or down. I like it, I didn't like it. I'd buy it again, I wouldn't buy it again, right? And that, when we apply it to the relationship, is when people say, you know, I'm not happy I went out. Now, how does that translate? Well, many times I've been sitting in my office and have had that conversation where somebody says, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in the marriage anymore. And when their spouse is out of the room and I'm able to get more of an interaction with the person, I could say, well, how much do you want to be out? I mean, what layer? Are you 100% out? Almost never are they 100% out. Many times they say, you know, I'm, I'm really confused about this. I, I really think that I want out, but I'm not positive about that. And there's a part of me that wants this to work out. And, you know, and so they can give me a lot of different multimodal ways of talking about it that they don't express when the other person is around, when their spouse is around. And so part of what you're struggling with is that you may be hearing an absolute when the person is not necessarily feeling the absolute. They just don't know what to do with that.
which is where we come up with the kind of um, behavior that you're seeing, where you're not sure how to interpret it, where at times the person is much more distant and other times when they are much more close. Now, there is a clue here when you talk about the fact that when you have been more closely connected, which may be more connected than he was comfortable with, he distances. He finds a new balance point there, right? And so that may be a little bit of a clue that that just tells you that he got closer than he meant to or that he was comfortable with or that felt natural to him. And so this, this place that you're talking about is, there's another word for it, and, and I, I think it's helpful, it's ambivalence. The person feels ambivalence, some level of ambivalence. And the level of ambivalence is that multimodal thinking. So here is the upside of that. I would much rather have someone be ambivalent in the process than to be absolutely out in the process. Ambivalence is often a sign that there is some room, some possibility that they're not sure what to do with, but that they are not 100% out in spite of what they may have said. And so part of what I would say is that when you see that ambivalence, in some ways you should be um, seeing that as a clue, seeing that, that there is room, there's something that could happen. So see that as a positive sign. It's not as positive as you would like. I understand that. But it is more positive than the absolute amount. Which brings us to what do you do about this? I've often found myself saying you have a choice. You can either be confused or connecting. It could be confusing or connecting. That's your choice. Confusing or connecting. Don't allow yourself to buy into the confusion. Don't let it throw you off your game. Continue your efforts to connect. Let them be the place that's vacillating. Because one of the things that often happens when people are reacting to this ambivalent hot cold is that they begin to play the hot cold game too. They don't mean to, but they start playing it too. And so instead of them being the steady spot, the person who's continuing to reach out, the person who's continuing to work on this, the steady spot in the process, they allow the confusion that the spouse is feeling to contaminate them. And so while you're seeing this confused behavior on the other side, what if your spouse sees the same thing from you? And what if you both hit the downgrade of confusion at the same time? then you have a double dose, right? Then neither one of you are able to move forward with this rather than going, okay, you know what? I'm going to accept that my spouse is feeling this ambivalence, is not sure what to do with the connection, and I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to continue staying consistent and constant here. Remember that that's my rule, calm, constant, consistent. And there's a fourth one that I added some time ago, courageous, that, that courageous I added because somebody pointed out, a client pointed out to me that they felt like they were having to add on courage when they were doing those first three C's, right? Calm, constant, consistent, courageous is how you need to be functioning. That will help not uh, stress out the other person in, in the midst of their confusion because your confusion is going to come out. Your negative confusion is going to come out when they're at a negative spot. When they pull back, you go, oh, maybe I ought to pull back. Maybe I was wrong about this. 
And that's exactly the wrong time. It's also the wrong time to say, I'm going to chase them down, right? You need to find your steady state spot and work from that calm, constant, consistent, courageous spot. So why the courageous? Because courage comes when you take action, even when it's a little scary, uncomfortable, doesn't quite feel like you know, you know what you're doing, you continue stepping into that. The calm, consistent, constant is where you need to be. That's, that creates that steady state spot so the person can go, wow, there are some changes here. I see some possibilities here and can react to that when they're more comfortable to it. So you said responding versus reacting, and I just use the word reacting. Um, and, and that's where you do want to make sure that you're managing that and you're making sure that you're responding to the situation, not reacting to your fear, not reacting to their fear, not reacting to their pullback, but responding to your plan. That's it. You know, People often say, well, I don't know what, what I would do differently. How am I going to respond differently? Respond to your plan. Follow your plan. If you don't have a written down plan, you need to have a written down plan that helps you understand how you're going to go through those pieces of the puzzle. Connecting with your spouse, changing yourself, creating a new path. This is all stuff that I cover in my system and in my books. But just to break it down very quickly, you're wanting to be functioning on those levels so that they can see that there is a steady state to respond to and not just a steady state like the old pause button. That's a steady state, but not a positive one. But the current new setting, the connecting non-paused person who's responding to your plan to continue your efforts to move forward. So to kind of recap here, you heard a speech of disconnection, which is not just a binary connected disconnected and that the proof of that is in the ambivalence and even if the person doesn't doesn't spend time giving you the you know five star rating on where things are or zero to hundred rating on how connected you are keep that in mind that the ambivalence is a positive sign in the midst of this versus obviously the much more positive sign would be hey i'm all in we're ready to go forward but it's much better than the I'm all out. I don't want this at all. And so that ambivalence is something you can continue to work on as long as you don't allow the confusion to step in. You stay, confu- you stay in confusion, you will also be disconnecting. So connect. Confusion or connection. Your choice. Be connecting. Respond. And what you're responding to is your plan. And part of that plan, those four C's of being calm, constant, consistent, and courageous. All right, that's my answer to M, uh, and it may be your answer too. Maybe something that you've been wondering yourself. If you have a question yourself, and you think it is that that Goldilocks spot, right? Uh, not too broad, not too specific. Send it to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. The only way you can get it to me, podcast at savethemarriage.com. People have tweeted at me, messaged me. They all go to the wrong spot. You want to get it to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. And if you're interested in my program, check it out at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. If you're interested in the books, savethemarriage.com slash books. That's savethemarriage.com slash books. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. 
For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.